Welcome to Palace Confidential, the weekly podcast all about the royal family where we assemble some of Britain's most fabulous experts and commentators and delve into the news coming out of the palaces to keep you royally clued up. I'm your host, Joe Elvin, editor of the Mail on Sunday's You magazine. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple and Google. And if you haven't already, why not sign up for the daily Mail Plus briefing at mailplus.co.uk, where you can also watch Palace Confidential on video. And welcome to another episode of Palace Confidential. It's your weekly look at all things royal, brought to you from Mail HQ right here in Kensington. I'm Joe Elvin. Before we get into it, a reminder you can catch up with royal updates on our social media channels. So head to Mail Plus on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. The links are on your screen now. Let's start now with the latest from the Daily Mail's royal editor, Rebecca English. Rebecca, hello again. Lots to talk about this week. And we, of course, will inevitably get to Prince Andrew in just a moment. But let's start with Prince Harry. Uh, There was a story that Charles wanted Harry to stay with him when he comes to the UK later this year. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I have to say I'm ever so slightly wary of this story, simply because the people I speak to tell me that, yes, the Prince of Wales does really love his son, and, yes, there is a dialogue going on there between them. And, of course, the hope is that one day they will be able to repair their relationship. But uh, the royal family just not kind of prone to these grand gestures. Um, uh, That said, I think probably they do want um, Harry to eventually be able to come to the UK and spend some quality time with his father. But of course, it all depends, I think, slightly on uh, how things go over the next few weeks regarding the judicial review he's seeking from the Home Office about his security. And of course, there is that kind of lurking bombshell of his memoir that's due to come out later this year. Yes, well, that's the article did go on to suggest that Charles perhaps wants to keep Harry close precisely because of that autobiography and what he fears might be coming out in it. Do you think that's that, that's got any credibility? I suspect that ship's already sailed. I mean, uh, you know, if the book's coming out in the autumn... I suspect they're on the kind of final draft style phase of this. Um, But of course, I mean, the better his relationship with his father is, I suspect, the less likely he will be to want to uh, stick the boot in. Who knows? Do you think that Harry would be running, skipping with joy to stay with his dad on this particular trip? I was explaining to someone about it this week. It's really weird. I know it seems like they live in massively grand houses, but these houses aren't actually terribly private. Um, You know, Charles' home at Highgrove is actually open to the public and Clara's house is also his office and Harry has Frogmore House which is a you know perfectly good home of his own so unless they were going up to maybe somewhere like Burke Hall which is pretty private um, I, I can't see him staying with him for particularly long if even if he does. Well, let's watch this space. Now, the other big story you wrote about this week, I was fascinated by this, is that Spotify are taking their deal with Meghan and Harry back into their own hands. What can you tell us about that? Well, it certainly looks that way. So if you cast your mind back to December 2020, when the Sussexes announced this Megabucks deal and we got that um, uh, fascinating 33-minute holiday special featuring close friends like Sir Elton John and James Corden and of course you can forget their son Archie uttering his first words in public Uh, and we were promised there would be a whole series uh, very soon in 2021 and of course now we're in 2022 and uh, we keep on hearing it's coming soon but nothing and then it emerges 
uh, that they are now advertising Spotify through their in-house production people, Gimler, to advertising for executive producers, which suggests maybe Harry and Meghan haven't got as much control over the content uh, as it might seem. And they're not even in a stage where they're ready to deliver it quite yet even. Fascinating. Well, thank you, Rebecca. We'll hear more from her in just a second, but let's hear now from our panel this week. Joining me is Kate Manzi, Assistant Editor of The Mail on Sunday, and of course, Richard Eden, <laughs> Diary Editor of The Daily Mail. Welcome to you both. Kate, let's start with you. Do you think there's the slightest chance that Harry and Meghan have overpromised? on what they can deliver here for Spotify. Well, we heard, didn't we, about all these kind of mega deals that they'd signed and there was huge figures being bandied around, you know, $100 million and things like that. And yet, we've had one episode of the podcast, that's it. Well, you There's... can't rush brilliance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we thought we might hear something about it by now. Perhaps it's that they haven't delivered what maybe some of the TV execs uh, might have expected, yes, they're sort of reasonably big names, but, you know, they are going to want bang for their buck, as the Americans say, and if that's not being delivered, they're going to start looking at the, the letter of the contract. Mm. I just think if I was um, as rolling in cash and, and living in a mansion as Harry and Meghan were, I would find it very hard to be motivated to do any work. Is that, uh. Do you think that that's what's going on here? There's a mortgage, isn't there, on that property? <laughs> so I expect they do need to work. Yeah. And, uh, and with the row going on about his security over here, he's asked the British government to provide Scotland Yard security when he comes over here and just draws attention to the huge security bill they pay over there. So they're, yeah, they've got this massive mansion, but it's not all paid for. Their lifestyle is very expensive. And if they want to carry on acting like super celebrities, mm. they're going to have to start bringing the money in. To pump out some content. Now, Richard, you wrote a story that suggested this week that it might not just be Spotify taking things into their own hands. Well, I think in the same way as Spotify um, were running these adverts for, for staff, we've also seen that with Netflix, where they were appealing for production staff um, for the programmes which have been promised. The first one is due to be called Pearl. I think it's an animated programme um, about a a 12-year-old girl's adventures that's based, inspired by Megan from, from what we hear. Yeah. But I think it's the same sort of thing. I mean, look, I, I do, you know, wonder if they've kind of, you know, underestimated how much effort goes into these programmes. Look, just from doing this programme, we know how much effort there is from a big team to put it together. Well, remember in the Oprah interview, Harry sort of just said, oh, yeah, we were short of money, so I thought we'd better, you know, do a deal with Netflix or something like that. And it, it didn't seem to be any kind of enthusiasm or, or commitment. Yeah. But Spotify and Netflix, you know, they want big stuff. They will want a podcast. They won't just want Harry and Meghan, you know, whittering about their chickens or something. They will want big name guests, you know, the Obamas on, discussing big things, really sort of showpiece for Spotify. And so I suspect that's why they're, they're having to take things into their own hands. Maybe the chickens should have a podcast. <laughs> That'd be all right, wouldn't it? But Kate, do you think they have to tread carefully if they're going to sort of maintain and preserve their popularity as, as well as pump out compelling content? Well, this is the, you know, their dilemma, isn't it, really? That what do we want to hear from Harry and Meghan? Well, their details of what it's like inside the royal family. That's their selling point. And yet, how much do they give away about that? You know, they've got this huge book coming out. He's got his big book coming out this year. It's going to be very embarrassing, perhaps, for the royal family. But there, it's a kind of a one trick, you know. That's all. And they might want to talk about their various campaigns and things like that. But the people <laughs> paying for this information, the Netflix and the Spotify of the world, Apple Plus, mm -hmm. what they really want 
is information about the palace, is information about the royal family. So how much they give in dribs and drabs. And they need to be censored about that, I suppose. Well, it's one or the other, isn't it? It's either mm. you get the big names onto your programmes or you um, reveal details about the royal family. They won't just want a very bland program. Mm. And what about uh, this other story about, we've heard Rebecca's thoughts Richard on Charles offering Harry somewhere to stay but whatever the fact and fiction of that is it's clear that the pressure is on Harry to make a return visit to the UK. Well I think the pressure would come from himself as well I mean um, you know as Kate says um, they need to keep up that royal link and that's what gives them the, the attraction and appeal in America I think so you know, they, they want, uh, I'm sure, Harry and maybe Meghan less so, but they do want to come back to Britain. Um, and I mentioned last week about the christening, you know, Lilibet's christening. They want a royal christening for her. And that's the sort of thing that keeps that royal brand up. But, yeah, what, what's the practicalities? Where would they stay? What protection will they get? It's just become so complicated, hasn't it? Such mm. a headache any time. And the last thing the Queen wants in this, what's meant to be a joyful year, is headaches worrying about these difficult guests. There's not much joy yet, is there? <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Now, Kate, there's also the issue of the book, Harry's biography. Um, you know, that's going to be another thing that needs content that really meets a deadline. Has this book been written? What, what's the deal? Yeah, so he's got this kind of super duper ghost, ghost writer. Oh, yes. And it's coming out this year. Um, as Rebecca said, it does really feel like at least they're on the final draft. They must be kind of dotting the I's and crossing the T's at this stage. And I expect the lawyers are um, having a look over it. There have been reports that the palace want to see it before it's published, but I can't <laughs> imagine any US publisher wanting to show them it beforehand. But it's just such terrible timing, isn't it? You've got the Jubilee. It should be a year of celebration for the Queen. 70 years on the throne, such an incredible feat, an amazing reign. And then you've got Harry, who's going to bring out his book. And we can only assume it's a sort of woe is me. Uh, mm. Will there be any obligation um, that anybody can impose on, on showing the book the royal fam to the royal family? Look, the big political story in Britain at the moment is this big report about what's been going on in Downing Street in terms of parties. A lot, by the sound of it. And yeah. they're showing that to yeah. the Prime Minister to sort of give him a chance to respond, I guess, or to at least, out of courtesy, to show them. Surely our monarch deserves the same courtesy from her grandson. You would think so. Watch Absolutely. this space. Watch this mm. space. But of course, Harry's not the only royal causing a stir and stress stateside. His uncle Andrew has got his own problems over there. I don't know if you've heard about this. Um, overnight, his legal team released his response to claims made against him by Virginia Roberts in her civil claim against him for sexual abuse when she was 17. Now, of course, he has consistently denied the claims and last night called for a trial by jury. Let's get the views of Rebecca English on this. Rebecca, this team have come out fighting again. What can you tell us? Yeah, you might be able to tell from the bags under my eyes. It was an all-nighter for <laughs> me as well last night. Yeah, um, yeah they, they have. And it might be helpful to explain to our viewers and listeners that Andrew actually, believe it or not, in everything we've read about this, hasn't actually responded to the kind of 70-plus individual claims in Virginia Giffrey's lawsuit because his lawyers immediately set about trying to get a motion to dismiss now, obviously, a judge, as we know, um, has now thrown that out. And now he has got to, uh, because of the legal process, formally respond to that. And he has come out swinging, uh, deny, deny, deny. Well, the other thing, he comes out swinging and denying. But the one thing that does stand out is just how many times he doesn't know or remember things. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it gobsmacked me too. In fact, I counted last night. He denied things 41 times and there were 40 mentions of uh, insufficient evidence to allow him to either uh, admit or deny things. Um, and including really quite remarkable things. Like he, he denies that um, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell was a close friend of his. And yet we've seen so many photographs uh, of them together at social events over the years. And indeed, her and Jeffrey Epstein were guests of him at uh, a number of royal residences. And I, 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 look, I'll be honest, I wish I could tell you I understood what his legal strategy is. But my answer is I'm I'm as clueless as an next person The other thing that I found sort of fascinating slash confusing is the filing lists him as a private citizen. But, you know, how is this the approach the palace, that the palace would like? Well, of course, as we know, and as we discussed at length on this programme, there was the kind of very swift and ruthless action after he had his motion to dismiss denied by the royal family, led by the Queen, in, in cutting him completely adrift. So, yes, obviously they do want him to approach this case as a private citizen. But equally, if he intends, as he says he is, to, to seek a trial by jury, or at least to have that option open to him while looking at other avenues uh, to try and get the case thrown out, it's going to be a very long and painful year for him. And as we said in today's Daily Mail, I think there are quite a few people who would just prefer him to settle without admitting any liability and just have this over and done with. And just when he thought it might not get any worse, you've wrote at the weekend that he could lose his police protection. Yeah, so I, my understanding is there is a Metropolitan Police and Home Office review underway at the moment about his security. And uh, he could actually lose his uh, bodyguards, the bodyguards he's had really since the day he was born, um, uh, as early as next month. Uh, that will be a very big blow to him. Mm, I was going to say, how do you think that that's gone down? Do you think he'll take that very personally? Well, he's definitely not going to like it, because don't forget when it was deemed that... Uh, Beatrice and Eugenie were going to have to lose their security because they were going to be private citizens. And there was a lot of complaints from the public about their kind of globe trotting. He fought that tooth and nail up to the last minute and, in fact, now pays for their private security when they need it himself. So it looks like he's now going to have to dip into his pocket yet again and, uh, and pay for that himself. Thank you very much, Rebecca. Let's bring our panel back in now. Kate, on the face of it, Andrew looks determined to clear his name. Well, I think that's the whole point of asking for a jury. This is posturing. This is him saying, I'm so innocent. If only members of the public could, could look in my eyes, they would, they would see straight away that I was innocent. Well, he's tried that before. He tried that with the Newsnight interview with Emily Maitlis, which was completely disastrous. And all the way along, it's been attack is the best form of defence. In the Newsnight interview, he didn't once show any remorse or any sympathy towards the victims who were, at that point, proven victims of Jeffrey Epstein. Well, now, more again, you know, he's, he's attacked time and again uh, Virginia Giuffre, um, and this seems to be the only way he's going, and it, it could be catastrophe, you know, for him and for the royal family, because there'll be that backblast of, you know, reputational damage. Mm. And Richard, obviously, the biggest news story of today, headlines everywhere. Do you think that that's what his legal team were expecting? How do you think that they would be feeling about that today? I just don't know if they're if they're that bothered, really. Right. I mean, you know, the BBC's royal correspondent, Nicholas Witchell, last night said the palace would be reacting with suppressed horror. And I think he's absolutely right. But, you know, Andrew's always maintained he's innocent. And here he is. He's saying, yeah, come on, you know, we'll have a trial by jury and I'll be cleared. I mean, 
the, the problem is that might be great for him. He might think he will be cleared. But that means this is going to continue throughout this year. Mm. You know, all the British papers today, it's on the front pages. Can you imagine when we've got, um, you know, Platinum Jubilee events having this throughout the year? It's, ju it's just horrendous. We can't have it. They I mean, it's not just uh, the public and, and, and media commentators who've been baffled by Andrew's strategy, is it? It's, it's the palace as well, but it doesn't seem to be changing at all. Yeah, absolutely. People inside the palace have been saying to me, it's a kind of head-in-hand situation. Right at the beginning, there was a deafening silence from Andrew and his legal team. There's a lot of pressure from inside the palace that he ought to say something, at least to deny the charges brought against him. He's consistently denied it, but at that point, he was being very quiet. Now we've got a situation where if it goes to a trial by jury, it's going to be disastrous. But the palace are just, you know, he's, he's out of control. It's, there's nothing they can do. And I think the Queen's absolutely right to have made that swift decision to mm. say, OK, you stand as a private citizen, not as an HRH. And that's the, way, that's the only way they can go about it. But within the palace, they just as Rebecca says, quite rightly, they just want it all to go away. The problem is it doesn't really make any difference, does it? Whether he's a private citizen or not, he's still the Queen's second son and it's there on the front pages. It's, it doesn't make much difference to the actual court case. That's the problem. Yeah, it's just, it's just going to be a long game, isn't it? So, it's just and a painful one. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Rebecca mentioned there, Kate, that Andrew could lose his police protection. Um, he's fought fairly hard for that in the past on a couple of occasions. So how do you think he's feeling about that? It's about his status, isn't it? Everything with Andrew is about him being respected for who he is and having that taken over. The will lot be of the, the second son. Yeah, will be the final blow for him, I think. As we know, with prin the princesses, he ended up paying for that himself. Well, you look at the situation now. If he wants to maintain that level of security that he's had since birth, that's an expensive... Uh, kind of process and where's he getting his money from? <laughs> to be fair to um, Andrew though, come on, he does have um, worries when it comes to security. I mean, we saw images of his car being sort of um, attacked by a woman. There was another, there was an incident where there was an intruder. Someone claimed that she was his girlfriend or something and got into his house. And, you know, Royal Lodge is very close to Windsor Castle. It's on the, in Windsor Great Park. So, you know, there, there certainly are security concerns for him. Mm, well, I, I dare say we'll be talking about this next week as well. So watch this space. But let's head back to Rebecca for a few words on the week's other royals. Seeing the Queen back at Sandringham has been quite poignant, hasn't it, Rebecca? Yeah, it was a good story by Kate in the Mail on Sunday saying she was uh, coming back. And, yeah, I think as I said on Twitter this week, it really is one of her happy places. It was her late father, King George VI, um, favourite royal residence. In fact, he died there. And um, uh, obviously a favourite home of her late husband, Prince Philip, who retired there in 2017. I mean, the Palace have asked us all to give her a little bit of space while she's there for the next couple of weeks. And I think people will be happy to do so because of, you know, the truly horrendous year that she's had. Mm. And the Duchess of Cambridge has been out and about this week. What's she been up to? She has. So she went to highlight Shout, which is a kind of text crisis chat line that was set up by her, William, and actually, cast your mind back, Harry and Meghan, uh, with a four. donation. I know, yeah. the original Fab Four, yeah. um, through a donation through their uh, then joint Royal Foundation. And it is marking the millionth conversation it's had between its staff and volunteers and uh, members of the public, often young people, actually, who need their help. So a very worthy cause. Mm. And I hear you may have a story about her coming up in addition to that. 
Yes, I can't say what it is, but uh, keep an eye out in the Daily oh, Mail. Such a big tease, madam. Um, but <laughs> never let it be said, though, that the royals don't tackle uncomfortable subjects, because I believe this week the Duchess of Cornwall was out talking about revenge porn. Yeah, she was. So she held a reception at Clarence House to mark the 50th anniversary of Refuge, which is an amazing charity that has been working for many years to help women who've been escaping domestic abuse and domestic violence. And one of her guests there this week, if it was really interesting, was Zara McDermott, who's actually a former Love Island contestant, who did a really powerful BBC documentary about her own experience of um, malicious images and videos of herself being leaked online. Um, and I think this is what we love about Camilla, is that she is not afraid to kind of tread where other members of the royal family fear to. And she just stepped right in, was very happy to post a photograph with her and discuss the issue quite openly. So I'd say good on Camilla and good on Zara for that yeah. this week. And she and Charles also undertook a moving event on Monday, didn't they? Oh, honestly, Joe, I can't even tell you what it was like on Monday. I mean, I was in tears. I think lots of people were in tears. But um, Prince Charles came up with this wonderful idea to um, commission seven really world-famous painters to paint the portraits of seven Holocaust survivors to mark uh, National Holocaust Memorial Day, which is today. And so those paintings were unveiled for the first time at the Queen's Gallery on Monday, where they will go on display for the next three weeks. And you can watch tonight on BBC Two, there's a really remarkable documentary which charts how these pro portraits were created. But there was this one lady, um, Lily, she was 98. Um, she survived Auschwitz and she actually rolled up the sleeve of her jacket and showed Prince Charles that kind of chilling inky blue tattoo of her numbers, which is still on her left forearm, A for Auschwitz, I think 10 for block 10 and 527, mm. which was her number. And she also showed him a gold necklace around her, around her neck that would belong to her late mother who was murdered in the concentration camp. And she smuggled it throughout her time there. She hid it in her shoe. And when her heel wore down, she used to hide it in her daily piece of bread that she was given. Wow. I mean, that was just one story. They were all remarkable stories. And Prince Charles's idea behind this is that, unfortunately, I mean, the youngest person I spoke to there was 92, I think. You know, they are a dwindling number and he wants to make sure their stories and the stories of the six million people who did not survive um, the uh, genocide in Europe, uh, their stories still remain and teach us lessons for many years to come. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Rebecca. And you can see and look out for Rebecca's story in Friday's Daily Mail and you can watch a moving interview with one of the Holocaust survivors who was honoured by Charles and Camilla on the Mail Plus website. That is all we have time for today. My thanks to Rebecca English, Kate Manzi, Richard Eden, and of course to you for watching. We will see you next time. Goodbye.